Hello, and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, Neon Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 11, which is titled Nobody Doesn't Like Amanda Lee. The episode aired on January 7, 1999. Lauren was going that week 22 years ago. The real the, the convergence of ER time and actual we're real time. We're getting closer. <laughs> Uh, the European Union begins the rollout of the euro currency, eventually unifying and replacing the national currency of 19 countries. Interesting enough here is they did it for like digital bank uh, for like digital like bank accounts, mm-hmm. but not quite paper money yet. Mm-hmm. Paper money wouldn't be rolled out until 2002. Interesting. Weird. Uh, one of the worst blizzards in Chicago history strikes, dumping nearly 22 inches of snow in two days. Combined with below zero temperatures, the storm would claim the lives of 73 people. Kind of reminds me of Polar Vortex. Yeah, I would say I was uh, 11 when this happened. Wait. Yes. No, I was 10. It was just, it was not too long after my 10th birthday. So, yeah, I don't remember this at all. I'm sure there, I'm sure I had many, I'm sure I had plenty of fun snow days. Mm Mm-hmm. After the House of Representatives voted to impeach President Bill Clinton just before the new year, the Senate begins trial proceedings. Patch Adams, starring Robin Williams, Monica Potter, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, is the number one movie over the new year break. This explains why I liked Patch Adams so much. It came out when I was like seven. Hmm. That's why I have fond memories of this movie. Sort of. I have to say, I've never, I've never actually seen it all the way through, but is it a Christmas movie? No. Okay. I don't know. No, it's it's peak Robin Williams feel good schmaltz. Yeah, we it's, love a good uh, feel good schmaltz movie in this household. I might make you watch it at some point. Nah, <laughs> all, all, I rem- all I remember is from is him with the skeleton in the from the trailer. Donner going, party of fifty. Exactly. <laughs> That's the only thing. It's either that or the pool of noodles thing. That's the two things everybody thinks of from that movie. Um. And I'm Your Angel by R. Kelly and Celine Dion continues its run atop the music charts. This can stop any time now. Yeah, let's let's move that it's, one it's right cut, the end. The end is near for it. I think it's depending on when our next episode airs. I didn't peek ahead quite for that information. but uh, As far as what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with All the Resolutions. At 8.30, we have a return to the Thursday night lineup. Just Shoot Me is back from the dead. Uh, it is a rerun, though. Uh, I looked and I was thinking that this might be uh, the end of Jesse, uh, the completely unremarkable uh, 8.30 show that's been airing for the past uh, six months or so. Uh, but no, it turns out that will actually survive into the year 2000. So we have like another year of Jesse to go. What this the hell? Was, what? Yeah, this was just like a, a one week hiccup for Jesse. It seems like uh, she'll be back in her regular old 8.30 slot next week. Uh, at 9 p.m., Frasier with the episode Good Samaritan. And at 9.30, Veronica's Closet, Veronica's from Venus, Josh's parents are from Mars. Silly Josh's parents. Who's Josh? What's wrong with his parents? Do I care? I don't know. They're, Uh, they're, They're the Martian Manhunter and the Martian Manhunter's wife, I'm assuming. Sure, yeah. And Mrs. Martian Manhunter? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Uh, this week's episode had 31.6 million viewers, topping back over the 30 mil mark after a nine-week nine hiatus. Uh, this week's episode is directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his ninth out of 31. Uh, highlights of his previous ones we've talked about include A Bloody Mess, Make-A-Wish, and Ghosts. 
And this week's episode is written by Linda Gase, doing her 14th out of 25. Previous ones of hers we talked about were Stuck on You and A Bloody Mess. And I wanted to point out before we get in, the uh, very clumsily worded title of this episode is apparently a reference to the Sarah Lee slogan, Nobody Doesn't Like Sarah Lee. I would, In order for me to be aware of that slogan, I would have had to have seen a Sarah Lee advertisement once in my entire life. So uh, that kind of rang hollow for me. I thought it was just a very clumsily worded title. But now that I have that bit of context, I guess it's a little clever. Mm-hmm. Their bread sucks, but they make good cheesecake. <laughs> no, I want cheesecake. I do too. Uh, our, let's go into the episode though before we uh, go on a craving rant. Um, previously on is brought to us this week by Benton, and we open the episode with Carter and Roxanne cozy in bed. The radio's talking about the bad winter weather. How apt <laughs> with our headlines. Uh, Carter is a bootlicker. Turns out <laughs> he's wearing a Chicago police t shirt, and he is invited along to a girls' night out, and he has a mystery spot on his arm. Dun dun. And I also love that um, Roxanne's like, you really got to talk to uh, Weaver about putting on the heat. It's fucking landlords, man. All landlords are all landlords are also <laughs> bastards, including Carrie Weaver. How dare you? The the previously on segment was uh, it makes more sense after we get this first bit of context. But that the previously on segment was very wide ranging. Like there was mm-hmm. so much stuff that they were trying to like pack in there like the 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 fact that the the uh the tb thing got brought back up i was like really like we're bringing that up that was such a throwaway moment in that episode and okay but it makes more sense once we get this bit of context yep oh god i i don't want to read this um amanda this scene is so uncomfortable (laughs) amanda throws a snowball at mark as he is shoveling out the ambulance bay um she says she'll call maintenance and he's like no by the time you call like I'll be done, whatever, by the time they get down there. And she mentions the year she spent working in Alaska, because of course, and like she shoves snow down his neck, and so they do the weird like play in the snow, chase each other around thing, and then of course he falls on top of her, and he's like, are you all right? And she goes, I'm vibrating. <laughs> no, my my pager's going off. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, so... Daniel, I have a question for you. Wait, I know what it is. Are you actually Amanda Lee? I was just going to say, I am not actually faking any of my credentials. I did actually live in Alaska. I did work there. Uh, I, I realize there's a lot of consistencies, a lot of overlap between mine and Amanda Lee's story. But uh, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to ask her the straights okay. Uh, well, no, I mean, because I know they're not. That's I always. Mean, that's, just a ge- that's just a general no, they're never okay. Yeah. But That's always a valid question. Then we go, Carol and Doug are in the cafeteria, and they're talking about how they hope things go well with Mark and Amanda. Uh, Doug, ho- ho- Doug hopes Mark is getting some. Ew. A uh, woman collapses, and Doug calls for a crash cart, and Lizzie's note is, it begins. It begins, because <laughs> this is going to be the character that we, uh, that we, uh, causes us to bid adieu to Doug. Well, her son, but... yeah. She's she's kind of the point person on that whole deal. And uh, yeah, our, our first appearance of Joy Abbott, played by actress Valerie Mahaffey. Uh, Mahaffey? Mahaffey? I don't know. Kofefe. I'm sure someone will tell me, correct me in the comments of how her name is supposed to be pronounced. Uh, she appeared in stuff like Seabiscuit, Sully, uh, Northern Exposure, and uh, was also in a one of the most in 2021 retrospect the most problematic disney movies of the 90s jungle the jungle starring tim allen uh she plays martin short's wife in that uh yeah 
Let's the, the less said about that movie, the better. Uh, and this is the first of four appearances that she will be making, and it leads Only? us. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yet another. This is the the season of short story arcs. Like we're getting four episodes out of everybody, except Roxanne apparently, who I looked up the other day. I know Jake's gonna make fun of me because I'm shitting on Roxanne again, but. I looked up the other day. Her last appearance is in episode twenty of this season. She what makes the shit? it. She makes it almost the entire season, which is just wild to me. But and Lauren looks like she's gonna die. Just I don't from what I don't know, but she looks like she's about to keel over. That's Vertigo. No, that has nothing to do with Roxanne. That's just my brain sucks. Uh, and then, of course, that takes us right into our intro with more bangs. We are now 11 for 11. Is this 11? This is 11, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Daniel, on the list of projects that I want to do, I want to um, cross-stitch you a thing where it says, like, twinkles versus bangs. And the twinkles is just going to have a big zero. And then the bangs <laughs> is just going to be a bunch of tallies. We've, we've had more than I one. Know. We'll get, okay, we'll put, like, the two, the two tally three. marks on the twinkles. But, I th- yeah. I think it's uh, been three. If, Make that form after the series is done, and then we can just say bangs three hundred and two. That's so verses. many tallies to cross. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have to do the. You wouldn't have to do the tallies. I'm just saying the numbers. It would be more fun to do the tallies then... because you get the perspective. Uh, but still, there there's another thing. Along with TV shows, I'll never watch crafts. I'll never finish a new bit. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah we come out of the intro with them bringing uh, joy. Uh, into the ER from where she fainted in the cafeteria. And our favorite transport, uh, transport clerk or transport person, whatever you want to call him. Uh, He is up helping out. He is answering the phones (laughs) while uh, Jerry and Randy are out, apparently. so out sick, I think. Yeah, it's sick. Um, Weren't available for shooting this uh, this day, so we have Tony. (laughs) So we have a sentient lasagna instead. Yeah, because we bobbed E Ray, so you know we're kind of running out of options. Um, So yeah, he's gonna be our desk clerk for the episode to hilarious effect. Um, And Reggie brings in a kid that uh, was bumper skiing on his patrol car, and he may have a broken elbow. And Reggie asks Sheenie if she can look at the splinter he may have. Oh. Oh, cops' jobs are so dangerous. They get splinters. <laughs> they injure children and they get splinters. <laughs> I'm remembering early on in season one when we had a listener tell us to go a little bit easier on Sorry. cops. <laughs> Sorry. I believe it was Mary, actually. It may have been. I Sorry, Mary. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so we come back from there. Joy is telling Amanda that she needs to go. Uh, she mentions that her son is upstairs getting an MRI, uh, and he also has an appointment with the genetics clinic. So this is the aforementioned uh, son part of the equation who will be uh, – that these two will make the lethal dose uh, – <laughs> no pun intended uh, – the, the lethal combination that will uh, get Mr. Clooney out the door in just a couple episodes. Why would you give me all the gross ones? <laughs> Why would you give me all the skin-crawly, disgusting ones, Daniel? Well, to be – it's – it, this is this is it. This is what happens when I don't highlight. I let Lizzie and Daniel take their picks, and then I just get what's left. And apparently, this is just my my short straw. You're uh, welcome. Yeah. <sighs> um, this is payback for when Daniel highlights things without reading them, though, and gets really <laughs> weird shit. Uh, but Amanda tells Carol that she's looking forward to their double date later, <laughs> and she asks if Carol and Mark have ever been intimate, be- intimate because he's such a Lothario. And he's been so aggressive. But when someone is that inventive, you know, 
They might have a history. They might, you know, just be real good with the ladies. And then she insinuates that uh, she and Mark banged on his fire escape several times. Just, ow. Right? What part of that sounds exciting, sexy, Yeah, like, it's just... When you have, I'm assuming, even a perfectly good, like, floor. Oh, Jesus. In the, like, right inside the window from the fire escape. When all those grates and everything. Right? Just, ow. And you know, I mean, it's it's got to be an old building, like Chicago, of like yeah. that metal and just ah, uh, no, no. He's still in Susan's. Is he still in Susan's yeah. place? Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he'll be in Susan's place until uh, him and Corday move in together. And we go over to Carter, who I thought they would probably make this a bit much bigger deal than it is, considering how contagious TB is. Carter had a positive TB test. Lucy was negative. And Carter's canceling their study plans so he can go out with Roxanne. Like, my dude. He's like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm, just, carrier, like, I'm, just, I'm just carrying TB and treating, treating patients. He's like, I had a low viral load or something like that. Is yeah. What... I, it just... I wouldn't want anyone with any... Shouldn't he any, be wearing a mask at yeah, least? Yeah, with any amount right? of TB anywhere near me in an emergency room, much less... Not even a little TB? Not even as a treat? (laughs) A TB. Not even once. (laughs) And he asked, just uh, Lucy can study with Bernard, so. Who who is apparently alive and well. Yeah. Because doesn't she have, what was it that she has the next day that's super important? She's uh, presenting grand rounds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just. mm. And again, going back to the, the previously on segment, like. They went out of their way to dredge up this plot point from three episodes ago now that was a relatively minor moment in that episode. Like, it gets brushed aside very quickly in that episode. So they went out of their way to bring it back in this episode to then brush it aside again within the first five minutes. So it's like, I'm not quite sure what the purpose of this is. I mean, I I guess I'll withhold final judgment on it until we see the next couple episodes, see if maybe they do more with this, but I don't remember. It it certainly doesn't ring any bells with me that this that there's anything significant they do with Carter Mm -hmm. testing positive for TB. I also want to point out Roxanne's super bitchy about this, either here or earlier in the episode when she's like, and Lucy's a big girl and can do it herself. Well, that's what happens when you have a one dimensional hot nineties actress as a, character on and, ER. and, they, and they insist not to on say that the actress, i was about to say the actress is not one-dimensional the character, the character is, is yeah. one-dimensional yeah that my apologies i should have made that distinction and um, and that they insist on making roxanne and lucy have an adversarial relationship when there's really no basis for it like it's just just kind of but guys can't be trusted daniel i i'm not gonna bring up a gray's episode this week, <laughs> this week. moving forward um yeah moving forward benton and lizzie are talking about a paper that she wrote uh he warns her that he thinks it's controversial and hints that maybe she ought to think about dropping it uh fuck that because it's it's the paper because it's the paper about the um the flaws in the system right yeah which you know fuck that publish your paper do your thing girl i i support it burn it down burn the whole institution down uh there's a patient uh, whose grandmother requested Benton specifically, so he goes in to examine her. We find out it's Dr. Parks uh, from a few episodes ago, the deaf right. doctor, hey. uh, and her granddaughter. Uh, the granddaughter's in for potential appendicitis, uh, but Benton thinks that it's just the flu. Um, Dr. Parks insists on the ultrasound, and the poor granddaughter has to interpret between them 
uh so there's lots of you know good stuff in there i I actually really like the little girl here she does a really good job this episode like and i hope she didn't she didn't rank too low on lauren's like i don't know (laughs) our our precociousness scale uh terrible terrible child actors yeah no um no she's great Jeannie says that she doesn't see Reggie's splinter as she's trying to dig it out underneath the light, but she does see something, so she's working on his hand a little bit. He's being a little baby about it, but he asks her out in a very cute way. He's like, well, that won't hurt nearly as much as if you turn me down, and here's an excellent point to point out. Whose films are those? They're in the suture room. Nothing else is happening in here. Why has this room not been turned? Guys, this is confidential information. Get your shit together. Um, HIPAA was just passed. They do mention HIPAA in one of these episodes, I I think. Um, Or that was Grace. God damn it, we can't keep watching these at the same time. Um, (laughs) I'm almost done with my second rewatch. It's okay. That is not okay. Yeah, I'm I'm like a third of the way through season 15 out of now or into season 18. So she's bringing me with her. I can't help it. It's on everywhere in our house. Oh, there's going to be a third rewatch before because I have to go. I have to pick our 22 episodes for post ER content. In Daniel, four years. Like you have time, Daniel. Yeah, I can't escape it, even if I wanted to. It's just here. Boop, you say boop, you boop, say boop, the word, boop, and boop, I will boop, get you boop. a train ticket to St. Paul. Like I, we will smuggle you out, like underground railroad from, style. We will get will you out of from, Chicago. Work from home on your couch, and we'll. Oh God, we can't record in that closet together, though. <laughs> oh, no, bad. it was bad enough in Lizzie's office. You'll no. just shout from the background. Yes, I, my dream will finally come true. That's right. But then she's like, you know, I'm not really seeing anybody right now. This is really like, I'm good, whatever. He goes, Oh no, I'm I'm cool with it. I heard what happened, and I'm fine with it. And Jeannie just goes, Oh, you're cool with that? Lucky me about her HIV status. Not a great opener. Nope. And uh, Carter's chasing Carrie down. Carrie's mom called and said she'd try again later. And Carrie was like, did she ask for me by name? Mm. I like how Carter is immediately like, your mom? Like, <laughs> what a weird thing right. that would be to. Yeah. And uh, there was apparently a plane crash at uh, old Meg's Field. Uh, R.I.P. Fuck you, Daly. Um, <laughs> what? What? Uh. What took over that? Is that a... That's a northerly island. Thank you. I couldn't remember the word. Yeah. That was illegally illegally shut down by Daly. Yeah. He just had city bulldozers uh, carve out like multiple giant X's in the tarmac overnight. But why? Because he wanted to get... Because he wanted to get rid of it. But why? And the FAA wasn't going to let him. But but why? I don't... You'd have to ask him. I don't... Bonus section, we'll get him on a lounge. There's a really shitty giant park there that no one uses. Except Marilyn Manson and Smashing Pumpkins that I saw there once. No, that's I would say. There's a concert venue there too, which is a medium concert venue at best. But yeah, it's a whole thing. You can look into it. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, you can can look into it right now. Um, But yeah, the plane crashed there. Um, Anspa, excuse me, not Anspa, Amanda is running the setup for a mass casualty event. And this is my sort of, and not not this moment specifically, but just in general, this is my one takeaway from the um, whole Amanda Lee storyline that I think I would change, is I would have made her a little bit more 
noticeably not not fully incompetent but like i would have made her a little bit more noticeably um bumbling as a doctor like there she's too good at this like she's much too good at all this stuff and they they i I feel like there was a very there could have been a very slick way to tell this story where they would have been able to like drop little hints here and there that like if you're just listening passively wouldn't sound weird but if you had any sort of ear for medicine or anything like that stuff she's saying would sound completely wrong Every time I think of her storyline, I think of the movie Catch Me If You Can. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like how much better, like even though obviously we know as the audience that the that Leonardo DiCaprio is a huge fraud, but like like how like they drop like little things in there, like it's like he gets handed he gets handed the medical instrument and just puts it over his mouth. And goes, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, like that kind of stuff. Like like I I'm I'm totally on board that she's a pathological liar and that she's practiced at this and that she is good at it i'm, I'm totally on, and, and there's there is a little bit of storyline that uh later on that she did go to some medical school she never graduated but like so that's fine but like i still think that there should be some slight bit of greater indication that she's not really good she doesn't she can't really do this job they make it look a little too easy that she can just step right into this and hold her own especially in situations like this where it's like a very complex a uh, very chaotic situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Anspa is scrubbing into a surgery and talking to Lizzie, and he tells her her paper is also not a good idea because it's just like, it's going to make her look bad, and it's going to make the hospital look bad. And it's it's just, he's just like, no, we don't, like, who's going pu- like, to publish this? It's not it's not going to benefit anybody. Why, why do this? Why draw attention to yourself? So Basically, trying- why tank your career? Yeah. Why tank your career or why tank the hospital for something that's never going to change anyway? And I also want to note, Lauren Fashion Watch, her <laughs> lip color and his surgical cap are both on point. I think his surgical cap is a little koi fish, and I just thought it was really cute. That's all. I just wanted to share that. Because <laughs> these are the things I noticed. Daniel looks for weird signs and important background <laughs> shit, and I'm over here like, lipstick's nice. Oh, God. And it gets worse. Thank you. But Dale's not. No, Dale's certainly not. Uh, Dale comes down and introduces himself to Lucy and tries to sound all important and is belittling Carter and talking about how Carter dropped out of the surgical rotation and asks her out if she wants to go, like, gambling later that night. Out in Elgin, which is super far away. That's, like, 40 miles, maybe 50 outside of... And... Especially from downtown, it's probably, like, 50-some-odd miles. Right. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I have to study for Grand Rounds tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, I can help you study on the way out. And Carter pulls her away to go presumably work on another patient and just get away from Dale because of you. But there is a riverboat casino in Elgin. That is a thing. So that checks out. Yeah. Oh, also God. on Aurora. I'm so fucking bummed out. I'm always bummed out to see Dale come back. Dale is one of those characters who I'm like, it's never a good time when he shows up. Like, he's always an asshole. He has no moments of redemption. Not even the brief fleeting ones like Romano gets. Dale's just always a prick. And so I'm always bummed out whenever he shows up. But I'm particularly bummed out in this episode because it leads Carter and Lucy's relationship in an uncomfortable, unfortunate direction that I wish they'd never gone down. And it could have gone so much differently. Like, I would have... They, they st- set it up uh, in the early part of this episode like Carter is going to sort of be, like, just the guy looking out for her. Like, he's going to be the guy who's just, like, you know... He, this guy's trouble you know just steer clear of him watch yourself that kind of thing and then it turns into eventually this like you know 
forced infatuation thing between Lucy and Carter, and I just don't like it. I hate it so much. Knew but you were trouble when you walked in. <laughs> uh, we go from there. We see Amanda telling Doug that County won't be the same without him, uh, and he's like, uh, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, uh, she says a Matt Richmond called uh, from Oregon, I believe, was the uh, Uh, Portland, 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 Oregon. So, yeah, yeah, Oregon, but Portland specifically Uh, called and uh, asked for, you know, reference information and stuff. And that she talked Doug up big and Doug assures her that uh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, That's a lie. Lie detector test determined that was a lie. And Carol is talking to Mark about NASA out of nowhere uh, oh this this um i forgot to jot this down when it first happened because i thought it was just the the desk clerk being an idiot at the very beginning when we first see tony he mentions that mark had a call from nasa yeah so and apparently he applied to nasa in his second year of residency and made the first cut but couldn't progress any further because of jen and rachel have they seen he has how his dad bod have they? <laughs> <laughs> uh is this really a man you want operating a space shuttle? <laughs> Such a weird um, thing. Excuse me, you want being a medical mission specialist on a on a shuttle mission? Um, I mean, I suppose we just jettisoned uh, Will Shatner, Will Shatner, into sp- William Shatner into space. So, and well, unfortunately, he came back. So, <laughs> Jesus. And I also, I also want to point out here that um, Mark is convinced that Jerry's just doing prank calls on his day off. Yeah, I'm here for that head cannon. Yeah. yeah. William Shatner is a huge transphobe. No one likes him. Um, His Twitter account is a dumpster fire. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, Carol says that the call from NASA earlier could have been real. Mm, who knows? Um, Mark says Amanda's playing hard to get. Which conflicts with her story earlier about them boning on the on the fire escape. Yep. This is a, kind of a strange little detour for Mark, no? Like, kind of, is, is yeah. it just me or does this kind of come out of nowhere? Like... This just feels like an odd thing, but um, Amanda is now running the board away from curtains. She has it set up um, kind of off to the side of the admit desk, so there's more room to actually, like, jot on it and take extra notes for patients. And all of a sudden, they get another call saying, stand down. There were no survivors on the scene. No need for county to assist. Mm -hmm. And Amanda looks kind of pissed off at this. Like, she looks like she was ready to go, ready to lie, ready to, like, perform at her peak. And she's kind of, like, pissed that this is getting taken away from her, almost, is how I read that face at the end. Yeah. Did you read the Wikipedia article on Meg's Field? I found it, yes. <laughs> uh. I'm going to read it later when I go to bed. Okay. That's going to be my, my nighttime reading. I already saw that it was the only part of Burnham's Park plan that got built on in Chicago. Daniel Burnham is responsible for all the green parks along the lakefront, hmm. and that's why those aren't built on. That airway was the only exception. Hmm. More you know. Everybody go read Devil in the White City. It's a really good book. Um, but then Tony at Admit is playing Game Boy Color. I believe it was a Game Boy Color, not a Game Boy Pocket. Um, when Carrie asks if she... Well, no. Timing-wise, 99. It would have been a color, right? Yeah, probably. Could have been. Yeah. Probably they been. Were, Game Boy yeah. Advance comes out in like 2002, I believe. 2001. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a yellow Game Boy. So that's how I know it's at least a color or a pocket. Why? Nobody cares but us. <laughs> um, when Carrie asks if she has any messages... Because she thought maybe her mom, in quotes, tried to call again. And he says, no, you got one from your dentist. And she's like, if anybody calls, please page me. Like, she's really determined to get to the bottom of this. And there was a Tomb Raider game. So we can probably guess guess what he was playing on the Game Boy. Dark Souls? 
There was a Tomb Raider. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I make myself laugh. And only you. And only me. That's fine. Like a true Midwestern mom. There you go. Str- bit of a strange coincidence, though, for you and I, Lauren, that the flash forward that we just did was the mm-hmm. resolution of the Carrie's mom storyline. And then I did. This oh. is the beginning I, of the Carrie's mom storyline. I did think that because I remember, spoiler for the flash forward, Daniel mentions like, oh, you know, there's a couple false starts for this. And then we turn this episode on and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> There's so and actually uh, later in this episode because we had just done that flash forward like the day before I watched this, mm-hmm. um, I noted a continuity error which we will get to. So we'll, good, we'll, good, we'll good. talk about that when we get there. But um, we go from there. Mark got a delivery from NASA. Ooh, the fuck intrigue. We're really stop trying to make NASA happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, a f- no, everyone, please make NASA happen. Well, it, it, Tell your Congress people to make NASA happen. In within the context of this episode, let's stop making John, NASA happen. Let's let's John Wells stop trying to make NASA happen. Yeah, there we go. Definitely make NASA happen out in the real world. Let's stop Jeff Bezos and his space dicks from. Uh... Also, speaking of John Wells, he has a new show on Netflix. Good for him. I'm glad to see he's landed on his feet. Uh, we have our next. <laughs> we, we have our next. Uh... <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm lightheaded. Uh, so we go from there. We have our next patient coming in, a 42-year-old female uh, suffering from blunt head trauma from a collapsed chimney. Uh, Edie here uh, is played by actress Nancy Linehan, who appeared in the aforementioned Catch Me If You Can. Uh, hey. Good, nice connection there. Uh, she also appeared in Sex Tape, as well as the TV series Veep. Uh, she had 152 credits to her name. I should say has. She's still active. Um Amanda asked Mark to check on Carrie's trauma. Another patient came in who we find out is her therapist who is treating her for agoraphobia, uh, the fear of going outside for if you're keeping score at home. Uh, They were doing exposure therapy when a chimney randomly collapsed on her. And he's like, what are the odds? Uh, She is terrified of hospitals. And uh, Mark has Halle try to find Edie's relaxation tape, which I believe he says at one point is a Yanni tape, which is (laughs) pretty funny. And uh, Dr. Parks' daughter, uh, the little girl's mom, shows up, and she needs a signer interpreter so they can walk her through the surgery before they can consent to the appendectomy. And mom here is uh, quite the point of interest. Uh, Teraline Sacchetti, I hope I'm saying her name right. Um, She had some acting roles in movies like Natural Born Killers and the TV series Angel, but she was also primarily a deaf rights advocate um, she sued Burger King in 1994 after they refused to fill her written order at a drive-thru uh, and was later hired by the company as a consultant to develop electronic ordering devices for the deaf. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird, the, the trajectory people people's lives take. Right, 1994, she's like trying to get a hamburger and it doesn't work out. And then by 1999, she's on a number one ranked TV show in the world. You know, funny how life works. She literally plays an angel. She is credited as Deaf Woman. Yeah. I figured in a TV, you know, TV series like Angel, how many of those were there? I feel like, you know, that there if there was a Deaf Woman, you'd probably remember her. Yeah. Um then Edie is refusing the oxygen mask because she's too busy panicking and Amanda says the CT is down. So, she's going to take some time to try and walk Edie through some relaxation techniques. She lowers the lights and closes the blinds and walks her through a relaxation technique about her mom baking cookies in the kitchen. And Lizzie, next time I'm stressed, can you do this for me? Because that was lovely. I could actually just bake you cookies in the kitchen if you Why want. Why not both? 
It's I'm a mess. I need both. It's lovely in a vacuum, but it's a hell of a lot creepier for us as the audience after we saw the end of last week's episode. Yeah. I mean, part of it, I think, and like, I think looking back on it, one of the um, inferences I made was that maybe she's so good at this because she had it done to her a lot in different like psych wards. Yeah. I think that's definitely what you're what you're meant to take away from this, because where else would she have picked it up? I don't know, but that's that's what I got from it. Um, Reggie chases after Jeannie, apologizes if he offended her, and she's just like, nope, but don't feel sorry for me. Just leave me alone. I'm not it. Look, stop. Drop it. And Amanda tells Mark that she learned the technique from studying phobias and published a paper on it in med school. Oh, oh we might be reaching a little bit too far there, <laughs> um, because Mark asked to see a see the paper and if she has a copy of it uh yeah we might this the facade might be that might be a little have been a little bit of a bridge too far a little too easy to trace right yeah imagine telling a fucking uber nerd like mark green that you wrote a paper on something and that he's not gonna go track it down like come on yeah come on girl he's just gonna go oh yes please icarus is flying a little bit close to the sun here uh we go from there we see carol got joy's labs back uh, and she's anemic uh, we also find out that her other son died of the same illness that her younger son is currently suffering from, and that it's a uh, childhood illness that they don't usually live much uh, further than 10 with. Yeah. So, ugh. And I believe they said- And the so, kid's eight. Yeah, Ricky's right? eight. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I forgot to get the name of the illness down, but that one was just moving too fast. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it was off the top of my head. It had like a- It, it was a pretty long name, but yeah. Ugh. Just awful. Um, we go up to the daycare center where Reese is in trouble uh, because he bit a kid uh, and he's just kind of been disruptive in general and the daycare worker suggests to Benton that uh, perhaps Reese would benefit from some a special needs environment where he can get more uh, specialized attention oh, sweet. did, did uh, either of you clock Reese's uh, a very cute tiny Blackhawks jersey yes <laughs> Tiny sports jerseys are a like special variety of cute. Like I always felt so bad. I always felt so bad uh, when I worked at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods that uh, we didn't. We barely sold any like toddler sizes of those things because they were absolutely so cute when mm. we get when we get the Bears ones in. There's not many things that makes Lizzie's um, proverbial ovaries explode <laughs> like small sporting goods. You love to see it. Just uh, by the way, Fa- uh, fans for life. Jesus. Uh, doing a Google, AL, uh, Ricky has ALD, which is adrenoleukodystrophy. Okay. So, which is a genetic condition that damages the membrane, the myelin sheath that covers the nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord. Okay. The more you know. Google, thank you. And then we get our next patient coming in, a pregnant woman, uh, Robin Gambrell, a 28-year-old. Uh, she was in an MVA. She's in active labor. Uh, and they're going to do a panel on her husband as well to make sure that he didn't hurt his kidneys. Uh, and then maybe a little bit more later on down the road. Who knows? We'll find out what other tests they're going to do on the husband here in a little bit. Uh, and then the other person from the accident has brought in Aaron Drain. He's a private in the Army. They're doing a peritoneal lavage, and there's blood. Oh, no. Oh, no. And he starts crashing. Oh, no. Uh, Mark then goes to our new best friend, Tony, and asks how to navigate the internet to search for Amanda's article. And they find one by A.W. Lee, and Tony prints it out for Mark. And Mark also has him call the library to bring up any other articles by that author. Hmm. But they've all been checked out. Not yet. Oh, they haven't been checked out yet? No, we don't know about it yet. We don't know about it yet. Excuse me. 
because he's calling first. Spoiler alert. Uh, Robin and her husband Mike are talking to Carrie about the rush in the car while she was doing an ultrasound. So they said that like she started going into labor. They got excited and they jumped in the car to drive over. And that's when the accident happened. Ugh. And we go from there to uh, upstairs where Joy is reading to her son, Ricky, uh, who started having trouble talking a few days ago. So he's he's in a wheelchair and he is somewhat responsive and like slightly verbal, uh, but hasn't, you know, he's not. She says, I, th- I think it's uh, here where she says that he used to be such a chatterbox. Mm-hmm. So he's very quiet. Um, and Ricky here is played by a, a young actor named Kyle Chambers. Um, pretty unremarkable IMDb, but of course, this being that this is going to be a, a semi-long-running storyline over the next few episodes, this is his first of four appearances as Ricky. Um, Carol brought Joy some iron pills uh, to address her anemia and asked her to come back to the clinic for reevaluation. Uh, but Joy pushes back on her and says, "You know, I have to help, have to uh, you know help with Ricky and that." Her other daughter, Celia, plays with him, but doesn't do any nursing or anything extra. So it's pretty much just Joy doing round-the-clock care for Ricky here. Uh, and Carol says, you know, well, there's caregivers and like there's people who can help you with that. And she's like, it's my job to see him through this and then walks away. She does a really good job with this. Like, th- this actress is very, very good. Very, very well suited for this part. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, go over to Mark talking to Amanda. Uh trying to peel back the the mystery a little more uh it's a picture of a 40 year old asian guy instead of uh, amanda's picture attached to the article you know it happens she said it was a classmate and like oh our names were so similar they got us confused sometimes and mark says tony should call cornell to fix it yeah like tony wouldn't have any pull at cornell <laughs> like, like oh we should have, but just like getting under her skin like oh we should have we should have tony call and you know let them know uh, Carrie tells Reggie what happened with the motor vehicle accident and Michael was driving erratically. Reggie thinks he may have been drunk driving and asks Carrie if they can get a uh, alcohol level on the blood test that they did as well. Um, Carter is working with Mr. Wong and Lucy. They're trying to get some blood drawn from Mr. Wong and they're both working on him. Lucy's drawing blood from one spot and Carter's, I think, putting an IV in or something. Which seems weird. If you're putting an IV in, you can draw blood from there. You don't need to have two different needle sticks happening. Thank God. But um, Lucy's drawing blood when Mr. Wong flinches as Carter gets him. And she stabs herself after stabbing him with the needle. So she gets a, she gets a stick. And she needs to go irrigate the wound immediately. And then we'll deal with that from there. But never a good when, when we get a stick. Um, At least it wasn't like that one with Carol back in like season one, I think, yeah. where it was like all the way up to the, the like plunger. Like it was all nope, the way. Nope, nope, nope. We can stop talking about yeah. that now. Uh, but then we find out Mark actually got an offer from NASA to be a medical specialist on a team. Whoa, NASA. Let me just change that and get us away from that awful image. Space. Space. Now I want to play Portal 2. Uh, Tony tells uh, Mark that all the A.W. Lee articles are checked out from the medical library. And of course he didn't ask by whom or when. Hmm. Strange hmm. coincidence, ain't that? Hmm. Hmm. And uh, Mark asks Anspa if he knows anyone at Cornell, and we find out he didn't talk to anyone <laughs> there. I love about it. Amanda. I love I love his line is with glowing letters of recommendation like that, why would I need to? 
<sighs> that super, uh, you know, if you'll recall, the super thorough search committee that was essentially just Anspa and Kaysen. <laughs> like, two of the most... You know Kaysen doesn't know how to work the internet. Right? No, absolutely not. Uh, we go from there to see Lucy washing out the uh, wound and uh, Carter... Is, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like, this plus the Dale thing from earlier, like, this, w- this could have been best Carter, where he's so reassuring here and so like cool about this where he's like it's okay we're gonna make sure that we get the rapid hiv test uh on mr wong and go from there like don't panic don't freak out this is totally gonna be fine and she she pushes back and is like well you were positive for tb and he's like it's cool like no big deal like he's so good here and it's really not even anywhere in this episode where it starts to take but it's just like i know where it goes and I, i know that this doesn't last as like a like him just being genuinely concerned about her as a person and as like his student it becomes this like quasi romantic thing and i just hate that but uh, we go from there where benton finds out that there's still no interpreter for dr parks and her granddaughter and grandma wants to observe the surgery uh which benton tries to push back on but she like kind of forcefully hits him with some like angry sign language and then he's like okay 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 it's fine you can watch uh so they're gonna take uh, little gwen back for surgery uh, and then they're also taking Edie up for her CAT scan finally, and Mark has her imagine she's in outer space with cookies. <laughs> and they're uh, they're wheeling her down. Mark and Tony are slowly but surely just baby steps. Nothing big is going on. They're just getting her to the elevator. And all of a sudden, it's a beautiful cross shot right in front of their path, because Edie has her eyes closed. And all of a sudden, we see Lizzie riding by on a gurney with another <laughs> trauma just screaming and it's just like, Phoop! and I, I just, I want a gif of that. I just, I need it in my life. And Edie's like, what was that? What was that? Oh my God, take me back, take me back. So they have to take her back and try again. <laughs> it was one of my, it, it's just such a good comedic yeah, beat. it is. And a uh, man comes in asking about his son. No one has told him about his status in 45 minutes. And uh, Reggie steps in to help because, to help Jeannie, because they're about to storm the treatment area looking for him. And it was, uh, it was Aaron's parents. Ooh. Yes, the victim of the car crash. Yeah, which because we never really got to meet Aaron. Like we never, no. we never hear him. He's unconscious when he comes in, and then he, of course, he passes away. But the parents here, uh, Dad is played by actor Drew Snyder, who appeared in stuff like Commando, War Games, and Nixon. And the mother is the mother is actually a little bit more recognizable than the father, even though she doesn't uh, get to speak as much. She kind of just clutches her pearls and cries, but she. Um, she's played by actress Deborah Strang, who appeared in stuff like Eagle Eye, Kiss the Girls, and a pretty memorable episode of X Files. Like I, I recognize that her hair is a lot different, but I recognize this lady immediately. Like it's a super fucked up, scary episode of X Files, and she is amazing. In yeah, it. I, I'm not finding too many scary episodes of it yet, so I think I just have to keep watching. Yeah, this like I've seen, I've seen Tombs, and that's horrifying. Yeah, Tombs is a good one. Tombs is a really good one. Um, have you gotten? You're, you're into season two now, right? three okay so you've definitely had the fluke monster then the uh the one in the drain the like the yes yeah oh where it's where it's just like a mess it's like an, an amoeba thing and he's got the weird like uh sucker mouth nest thing and uh the, so funny the um guy in the suit is one of the writers on the show <laughs> amazing so yeah I, I it's halloween i should be watching x-files every night instead of should. Survivor. we should one of we should come up with like a list of like a couple of like spooky episodes to watch together throughout the rest of october just to like piece those out because yeah. there's some real we'll, good ones. we'll have 
We'll have spoopums together because Lizzie won't watch spoopy stuff this is, with me. I was gonna say. I was gonna say the way you two talk about it. I have a feeling I'm gonna probably have to watch 22 episodes of X Files before my life yeah, is over. We might. We might. If you're uncomfortable with it, we can sub Jake in. Yeah, and I and I don't have to pick the ones that are super duper body horror ish because there's a lot of different varieties. Yeah, if we avoid body horror, there's I could a, probably handle. It there's a lot well. of different flavors of spooky on the X Files, yeah. but the the this one in particular is a it's. I wouldn't say it's body horror, but it's it is a little bit oogie even for me because um, she plays this woman who is sort of possessed, mm-hmm. um, not like in a like exorcist sort of way, but like she just is having visions of stuff. Um, and it's this woman who was murdered by her husband, I think, um, with a I razor blade like to the face. I... She's the younger version of that woman. Yeah. I feel like I just watched the guy that from one. Lost is also in it. Locke, the uh, the old bald I, guy. I yes, I just watched that one. It's a really good one. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just actually the other episode I watched recently was the one with Leland Orser in oh, it. Oh yeah, and Brad and Bradley Whitford. Yep. And I was just like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, there's there's like quite like, a bit of uh, X Files and ER crossover actually. Um, yeah, sorry. But yeah, Karen. getting getting back on track. Um, uh, we go from there to uh, the suture room where Amanda is cutting out. Uh, all of the articles, uh, the A.W. Lee articles, presumably from the library copies of the journals. And Carol kind of walks in on her while she's doing this and is like, uh, aren't those hospital copies? Are you sure you like shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that? And she has this. This is where we really start to see the the, the strings unraveling here where she's like, oh, yeah, these are extras and, you know, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Like she's definitely you can tell the walls are closing in on her at this point. And so she cancels on tonight and is like, hey, you know, I have to go home. Uh, I've got a terrible migraine. But, you know, Mark and I will reschedule sometime soon. And Carol's just like, "Okay, whatever, man. And lets her go. But, yeah, it's it's so cool to see her play all the different Mm -hmm. versions of this character. Like the, the first version where she's like super together and like we don't know anything's wrong yet. And then like kind of people pleasy. And then the second version where like we know something's wrong and nobody else except jerry nobody else does and like and now now that everybody's kind of starting to get wise to her game it's i don't know i i really like the way she i know this is kind of a divisive storyline and we'll get to that when we get to the listener responses but um we go from there lydia brings michael's blood work back down turns out he was drunk although just barely like he it wasn't like he was completely shwasted he was just... He had, like, had two beers at home, and then, shit, I have to drive. Right. Yeah. It was, like, point zero eight six yeah. or yeah. four or something like that. Like, it was, like, right there. Yes, the Scotia over the legal Yeah. Uh, and then Mark and Tony continue to try to transport Edie upstairs, and this time the visual gag is that uh, they push the button on the elevator and when the elevator door opens it is half in the frame like all you see are the feet of the people on the elevator and mark <laughs> mark is like oh, tony. Yeah. he's like nope don't worry about it like well and then tony's like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the next yeah, one we'll get fine. the next one it's fine um so then we have anspa and benton in the appendectomy and anspa is talking about dr parks while they're doing the surgery and she's standing right there and he thinks it's fine because they're wearing masks so she won't know benton calls him out on it good boy best boy benton he's like dude he's like dude she's right there what the fuck maybe don't maybe don't um tony um gets a message from cornell 
and it's like, oh, you know, where's Dr. Green? I have this call for him or whatever. And Amanda offers to run the message up to Mark. because She's like, oh, I'm headed that way. I can take it. And then she just throws it away, Cat, very surreptitiously. Um, we find out Reggie needs to arrest Michael for drunk driving and Carrie insists on letting him stay for the delivery. And we find out Mr. Wong is HIV negative and Carter insists very, very like good friend that Lucy still gets tested in six months just to be safe. All right. And, uh, well, is this it for Amanda? Yes. Yes. This is it for Amanda on on screen. Okay. On screen. Let's get our final appearance of everyone thinks Amanda Lee is a fucking creeper. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he's getting her CT and it doesn't exactly go according to plan. Done. You passed with flying colors. I'll be right in. You go ahead and process those. I am okay. Yes, you are. And the scan confirmed that there's no bleeding in the brain. Oh. Edie, if you want me to unstrap you, you're going to have to let go of my hand. I thought you were different. I thought you understood the real me. Obviously, I was mistaken. Amanda, what's going on? Unstrap. I'm a fine doctor, Mark. I have what it takes. I know that. Then why did you doubt me? No! If this is about the article, we can talk... Why is this door locked? The door's locked? I loved you more than any man has a right to be loved. What? I never expected to feel like this. I hate feeling like this! Amanda, I don't know what you're talking about. If you just open this door... Please! It's too painful for me to be near you right now. Can we talk about this? No. Can't, can't breathe! It's all right. It's all right. It's okay, Edie. Just keep breathing. Keep, keep breathing. Amanda, I want to understand. It's too late for that, Mark. It's over. But I will never forget you. Amanda, wait. Amanda, wait. Let us out of here. They were locked in there how long? Over an hour. The tech decided to take a long lunch. Have they found Dr. Lee yet? I'm missing in action. Get this. Amanda Lee, also known as Barbara Harden, also known as Janice Engelhart. She never even got her MD. She's not a real doctor. Unbelievable. From what they can tell, she stole A.W. Lee's medical school transcripts and used them to get into a residency program. And I think of that. It's not her first time, either. According to her record, she also posed as a lawyer and an architect. Uh, do you know how many patients she treated? I was going to have a liability nightmare on the hands. I can't believe it. I thought she was such a good doctor. She certainly had me fooled. Me, too. I wonder if my Portland job offer was made up, too. What job offer? Do you think Anthony Edwards wakes up in a cold sweat sometimes thinking about that scene? (laughs) 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 I just realized why. Yeah. Yeah. Can we give a fucking motherfucking shout out to friend of the show, Martin Davich? Oh, that music. That that music. Oh, boy. That might be some of my favorite music in the entire show. Everybody. Everybody. That scene going on a hundred there like the music is on point she's the uh, amanda lee goddamn like really turning the crazy up to 11 uh mark 
doing good. And then Edie doing a very convincing panic attack in there. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit. Like, oh my God. That is just, yeah. But again, so much of this becomes so much more unsettling in hindsight with the knowledge that these two are a real life couple now. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) dude, how could you get past that? Like, I know you're an actor and I know it's fictional and everything, but that was so. And it was 20 years ago. That was so like visceral. Like that was so. Mm. Amanda Lee's just playing the long game. The real long game. It also probably helps that when they're filming that, it's not really just the two of them in True, the room. They don't, and they don't have the music. But yeah, yeah wow. Just, oh boy. <sighs> what what a conclusion. Crazy re- the, the crazy reveals herself. So how do we feel about Amanda? Do we want to do that here at the end of the episode? Uh, I mean, she is no longer on yeah, screen. Yeah, this is sort of it for the Amanda Lee story. I mean, there's a little bit of, you know, summing up of this towards the end of the episode, but... Um, I still, I, I, again, I still am a big fan of this storyline. It's not as, um, it's not as big or far reaching as I remembered it being, but, uh, I'm still a huge fan of it. I think she is really, um, I, I don't think it would have worked as well with anybody else in the role. Um, I think she is a big, I True. think that Mara Winningham is a big, big part of why this storyline is as good as it is. Um, is it? kind of silly is it kind of out of left field is it kind of a stretch of your suspension of disbelief sure and i would argue that it's probably and and you know peanut gallery correct me if i'm wrong here or give me another example but like i think this is probably the furthest they've stretched the audience's suspension of disbelief in the show to date to this point yeah you know you know what it kind of reminds me of not because like fake doctor or whatever but just something about like the the, the way it's done, it reminds me of how fucking weird John Leguizamo's shit gets when he's yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, which I think somebody brought that up. It wasn't in like a direct response, but it was like a response to a response that somebody brought up that he was kind of a comparable character to an Amanda Lee. Like kind of, and it, he almost feels like the next logical evolution to that type he's, of- He's at least- a- He's at least a real doctor, but yeah, it's just that that cranking it up to eleven. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, and I I do, but I do see where people um, may blanch at it or or may be less than thrilled with it because it's it is a, a a lot to ask of an audience, especially after a show that for the most part Jerry blowing up the ambulance bay with a grenade launcher aside, it's a show that for the most part for the four and a half seasons we've been watching. Um, has been relatively grounded. Like there hasn't been a whole lot of really wacky shit that's happened. And then all of a sudden they drop this in your lap where we have a, a poser doctor for four episodes. Um, but I think, I think they do it. I think they land the plane. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I would agree. I think, I think it's a fun, weird little do- detour. Like when we saw her, we were all so excited about it. And now that we're done, we're like, wow, she nailed yeah. it. I don't think, I think they keep it short, sweet, and to yeah. the point. I think it's telling that it's it's such a short storyline, and yet it's so memorable. I think yeah. any longer, and you the wheels yeah. probably would have come off a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Like, and it would have been like, okay, what the fuck is they, her deal? Yeah, they paced it really yeah. well. Where as soon as we go, okay, what the fuck is her deal? Oh, <laughs> right. That's... Immediately. Um, Edie then thanks Mark as she's all dressed and like ready to go. And he's like, I am so sorry again. Oh, my God. Like, I can't believe. <laughs> you caught us and on the worst day. It's Psycho Doctor Day. Yeah. And he says, and she says she feels good 
because she survived the hellhole of county, she can survive anything. Jesus Christ. And so she's going to go for a walk and walk home. That's not how exposure therapy is supposed to work, but good for her. Um, then we go, Robin is dilated at seven centimeters and Aaron's father bursts in, in the middle of her delivery to yell at Michael and insist he be arrested right now because he didn't get extra moments with his son. Why should Michael get to see his? Yikes. Um, well, she can kind of see where yeah. he's coming from. So Carrie, yeah, Carrie's like, go, we'll get bail posted. You can be back and like, but go. It's probably for the best. So she she encourages him to go with Reggie. So very, 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 very good carry moment. Just reading the room and diffusing the situation. Um, and then Benton comes out of surgery with Dr. Parks. And uh, Dr. Parks is signing with her daughter. And I really love that they don't do subtitles during the sign language between mom and daughter. I think it's very, very good to kind of give us that sense of other and have Benton be the one that's on the outs for this. Yeah. And have him go like, just just realize what that can feel yeah. like, how that how that ostracization can be to not have that communication. So I I really like that moment, and I think it's a very smart choice that they do. And I know to, I know West Wing does this too, where they don't put the subtitles up. There's either an interpreter or you just get the gist of what the characters saying. Also done in the stand hmm. with uh, Nick Andros. Yeah, they do this in. Um... They do this. They do this a lot in uh, Jericho yeah. as well. Unless the per, the both the people are having, unless, unless there's only two characters on the screen and they're both doing sign right. language, like the brother and sister. Yeah. Sometimes they'll do the mouthing the words too, which helps. But yeah, so I just I just I like it as a touch. I think it's a really good choice to just let us be as in the dark as as Benton yeah. is. No, I think I agree. It's a good moment. And. And we didn't mention earlier when um they're ta- when they're talking. I don't know if it's here or if it's earlier when the mom first gets there. But at one point she does a sign, or somebody mentions dad, and he's like, "What's that mean?" And she's like, "Oh, it's that's father." Right, yeah, become important because that's a really important part for the end of the episode. So, but for now, we go back down to the uh, ER where we get the peak of uh, Tony's. Uh, Tony's time on the show uh, answers the phone. ER, if you're sick, we'll fix you quick. Lizzie lost her shit. I was, shit. holy shit. Just his delivery is of every, I love Tony. I want Tony not, to be, let's not like, as much as I love. Can you imagine him with Frank? Holy shit. <laughs> Just, I need don't this they, in my life. Don't they sort that. of uh, get a similar type this guy a little bit later he's taller and he has like frosted tips or something like isn't there there's another clerk a little bit later on that he's and and he's not good like he's not good or particularly memorable but i want to say he's in the like seven eight nine range somewhere in there and he's not around for super long but he's tall guy frosted tips and i feel like he does sort of a similar type shtick are you sure you're not remembering malucci oh, no malucci has his frosted tip uh phase as well but yeah <laughs> uh, no this is guy this guy's definitely a and he has the like i can picture him in my head like he has the the like uh the button-up uh overshirt that jerry wears and he wears like long sleeve uh shirts underneath of him like he's he, look frank just had a really weird couple of years there, somebody's okay? gonna back me up somebody in the comments is gonna call out who this person is uh what what this character's name is uh, like i said he's not around super long but in any event um carter then calls dale over while he was talking to lucy outside of the lounge and uh. warns him you know tells him to be nice to lucy uh and then uh dale with the charming 
charming bit here where he says he might still get to score. So, because she, because Mr. Wong was HIV yeah. negative, just delightful. I wish Dale a very pleasant walk off of a short pier. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday is up talking with Anne Spa about the whole Amanda Lee situation. Yeah, if I must. <sighs> Trying to apprise the CEO about Dr. Lee, and he keeps putting me on hold. I thought you should know uh, a patient died under hers in my care today. Well, that's just what I didn't need to hear. However, I am... Um, I don't believe either of us made any errors. Well, I'm sure the hospital attorneys will want to speak to you about it. I've also been thinking about what you said earlier, and, um... I intend to pursue the publication of my paper. Yes, yes, I'm here. Can you hold one second, please? Well, in the light of the Amanda Lee debacle, it's obvious none of us are above reproach. I admire your directness. All right, give me a list of the journals you'd like to submit to, and I'll attach a cover letter. Thank you, Donald. Yeah, where were we? Debacle. Debacle. Good, good boy. Also, um, they're, they're like a public county hospital, right? Would they have a CEO? Yeah, I wondered about that, too. Like, they're ostensibly supposed to be involved with a, a, a medical school and everything, like... Like director, I would understand. Yeah, I was gonna say, it, Dean, maybe, yeah, chair. maybe like board. Maybe it's like the board of directors or something like that. But yeah, when it's he said CEO, I was like, something. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, yay, yay, Corday. Yeah, I like, I, I like that she's you. able to leverage this situation that she really didn't have much of anything to do with. I mean, she did have that one patient with her, but like, she really hasn't been that involved with the Amanda Lee bullshit. And mm. but she's she's able to I, leverage this into something really good for her. I love how he's like, I appreciate your mom. Right. He's like, give me, give me what you, you want. You got me there. Um, yeah, just, just so good. So, and I, I love Anspa. Like he's so good. <laughs> I just, uh, um, but then Robin is crowning in delivery. And I just noted, I couldn't tell who was working the delivery with Carrie. Yeah. I, I, I went back and looked. I, it's definitely not Mr. Carrie Weaver, um, which yeah. is the only one that I could think of. That right. Is sort of that same body shape as this guy. Yeah. Could not tell. Um, and Carol asks Mark if the fire escape thing was real. And Mark's like, what fire escape? <laughs> She's like, never mind. Never forget mind. it. It's fine. Just a private joke between Carol and the audience. Ugh. Uh, and then, so they're in the lounge where this is going on. The three of them, the three amigos, uh, and Mark finds a letter in his locker from Amanda, uh, with a horrifying poem that he reads out. And as he's reading it out, Yosh comes in to get some coffee and recognizes it uh, as he's re- like starts reciting it word Saying for it, word, yeah. and then he's like, "That's my favorite poet or my favorite poem or whatever," you know. And, mm-hmm. and I love Mark's like, I love the delivery where he's literally just like, "Here you go," like just hands him the. <laughs> I adore Yosh so much. So good. Sorry, I'm searching through on IMDb to for like who, who the was. fuck this person that. Do you want me to take the next part while you're looking for that? Go for it. Um, so then Joy approaches Carol about getting some extra respite care after all. Um, Carol is going to call in the morning and see who she can get to assist or, you know, what, what help there might be for Joy. And Doug meets, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Ricky. No. Yes. Yep, Ricky. I don't 
I wanted to say Randy. I was like, that's not right. Uh, Doug meets Ricky and offers to um, clear up some conjunctivitis that he has going on. So this is how these two meet. Um, just very sweet moment between all of them. Um, everybody's looking out for each other. And Jeannie sees Reggie outside after work. And he was coming by to check on the Gambrels and see how Robin was doing after the delivery. And... Jeannie asks him to the movies tomorrow. She's like, I'm, I got plans tonight, but do you want to go see a movie tomorrow? And he goes, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with it. I wish this worked out. <laughs> like I really yeah. do. Like I just wish, I don't know why they chose, and this is jumping ahead, you know, a solid almost 10 years, but like, I don't know why when they brought Jeannie back for her cameo that they chose to make it that her and Reggie didn't make it. But I really wish that they hadn't. Like, I really wish that they'd have just fucking let Jeannie have one nice thing in her life for once. Mm-hmm. But sadly, no. Yeah, I have no idea who the fuck you're talking about. Cool. <laughs> that other thing. Uh, so let's go to our last audio clip here. Uh, Carter is at Carrie's place. Hi, Dr. Weaver. Hey. Ah, uh, Oh, you converted, huh? Hey, your mom, she, uh, she never called back. My mom's dead. Uh, I, I was adopted. Possible that call was from my birth mother. Wow. I, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, well, probably wrong number, so false alarm. Have you been looking for her? Put my name on the internet about a month ago. My parents, my, my adopted parents have been gone about a year now, so. Well, I, w- I would think that there'd be agencies that would be more. Yeah, yeah, there are. Sarah. Go on, it's Friday night. Yeah, I'm gonna miss my curtain if I don't move it. Have a good time. Hey, thanks. So, here's where our little possible continuity gap comes in. Uh, you'll, if you listen there during that clip, Carrie mentions that her adoptive parents have been gone, as in her words, for about a year now, which would place their death somewhere in the middle of season four. Um, and the flash forward that Lauren and I just did was for, was it season 11? Yes. yes. Season 11, episode 14, I yeah, believe. Yeah, so pretty much a, a solid six years ahead of where we're at here. Um, and that's the episode where Carrie actually meets her real birth mother uh, for the first and presumably only time. Um, and in that uh, meeting she, that they have, she mentions or she tells her birth mother that her adoptive parents died when she was in college and that they never actually got to see her become a doctor. So, Mm. hmm, which is it, Carrie? Did they die while you were a chief resident or whatever Carrie was last season? Interim chief. Interim chief, or did they die while you were in college and never got to see Dr. Carrie Weaver? Who who knows? Carrie Weaver is the real Mandalay confirmed. (laughs) Lauren Lauren has a very concerned look on her face. (laughs) And so then we go to close out the episode. Uh, we get one last real just banger of a sweet scene as uh, Benton goes to pick up baby Reese from daycare and uh, starts to try to teach him father in sign language. And, you know, Reese is very, like, distracted at first, isn't into it. Benton's just about to give up. And then little tiny baby Reese with his little tiny baby hand does the thing. And Eric LaSalle could not be happier and immediately just like your heart explodes. You grow ovaries. You do the whole thing. Like it's just <laughs> Eric oh, LaSalle. And he, when he does the cute little baby in the air barking at him, yes. thing, it's just like, it's pure dad joy. Yes. And uh, he, 
doesn't get enough credit like Benton as a character just kind of gets painted with that broad brush of oh he's a prick like he's a you know stern humorless asshole and you know not to the degree of like a Romano but he is he's not given the credit that he deserves for being um this warm you know like he really does Mm -hmm. have the capacity for genuine warmth and it's well it's like sorry it's like we were talking about with um when Reese first shows up, we were like, oh, fuck, Benton gets to be a human. Mm-hmm. Yep, adds a whole other dimension to his character that you you didn't even realize was missing. Yep. I like this one a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. So I think I have to adjust my rating scale because I keep giving everything like an 8.5. <laughs> I think I have to start being harsher yeah. on some of them again because like everything, I'm like, I can't give this a 9, but it was definitely above last week's. But like, so I'm gonna I'm going to adjust for inflation moving forward. <laughs> Um, I'm going to start being more middle of the road for the ones that feel middle of the road. This one was a genuine 8.5 for me. Um, I got to go back and like leave comments on all my other ones being like, nope, got to fix this. Maybe we're just finally to the good part of the show. <laughs> I'm I'm out of my season four rut. Lauren's back, baby. Yeah. yeah. But I shouldn't say the good part of the show. The, be- the best part of the show. Yeah. We know we know what era is Lizzie's yes. favorite. Yeah. So the best era of the show, in my humble that opinion. That is a fair question to ask. I mean, I think f- if you were to go, if you were to say maybe use the, um, the Doug egg, the beginning of the Doug exit arc, which is essentially right where we're at, and take it through to Mark's goodbye in eight, is that chunk there? Would you consider that the peak of the show? Is that absolutely? Is that, yeah. Seasons, yeah, I think seasons. I, I always toss it up between season seven or eight, which I want to like more. Yeah. But yeah, because season eight has my favorite episode, but season seven has a lot of heaters in there. Yeah. I'm trash and love the late half. That's and that's I, totally, I, totally valid. valid. Yeah, I so yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this is a really uh, and again, I I I can't remember which storyline I was talking about when I made this point, but I like it when they can do. Um, self-contained storylines that don't overstay their welcome and that's really i for me that's the amanda lee storyline in a nutshell like it it comes in it compels you it makes you want to know what is going to happen next um and it manages to surprise you in certain ways but it doesn't overstay its welcome as soon as it starts to get hokey and as soon as it starts to get a little bit too much to to bear it's gone and that's great. I, I would much rather have a four episode arc that really hits on all cylinders than have like an eight episode arc that I'm just ready to be fucking done with <laughs> at the end of mm-hmm. it. So, and also too, we get the dual purpose of, you know, this episode starts a lot of stuff. It's, it starts, I mean, the Doug's exit storyline has been in a little bit of motion for a while now, almost a year. <laughs> um, but this is where it really digs it, k- kicks into mm-hmm. high gear. Um, so we have that, we have the beginning of Carrie's mom storyline, which is a huge, as we just said, that's going to stretch into season 11. That's, this is a storyline that's going to stretch over the next six years. I mean, it's not like they're going to, yeah, they're not going to touch on it obviously in every single episode, but it is going to be something that is going to be a, a kind of a constant, um, search for Carrie over the next six seasons. Um, so yeah, I, I like this episode a lot and I, I like, how Carter is in this episode with Mm -hmm. Lucy. And I wish that that was preserved. I really, Mm -hmm. really, really hate that this starts to take us in the direction of why don't we pair these two up? They're two attractive white people. She's blonde. Right. She's his type. (sighs) Did we have to, couldn't he have just had one? 
normal like couldn't he have just been like a big brother why do we had to like why do we got to bring this this is why i'm so glad they bring deb back yeah he needed that he really did his one just genuine female friend friend. (sighs) i miss her so much we're we're closer so close. to her yeah, arrival. We are. We We're are closer hell- to her arrival than her departure. I know. Time has no meaning anymore. Well, Lauren, what did the listeners have to say about this oh, fair episode? Oh boy, they had a lot. Which also, I have to note. Um, somebody told me they were like, you know, sometimes I see those comment threads and I just go, oh god, poor Lauren. No, you guys write me novels. I love this. I live for it. I do them cold reads, and I love seeing what Daniel throws in here for me to read. <laughs> Please try and fuck me up because I do not look at these before we go. Like, let's do this, the list, fam. The listener response thread, soon to be renamed, Fuck Me Up, Fam, featuring Lauren. Hey, you know, I do what I can. Uh, but we're going to start off with KDH says, Not going to lie, I felt like the NASA thing with Green, which came out of no, came out of left field, and I'm still not sure how I feel about it considering it goes nowhere. And Dale just barf. Excellent use of barf emojis. And Zoe M says, watching it back, knowing about Anthony and Mare is just bizarre. Hey, yup. Yep. Uh, Michelle K says, I think the whole Dr. Lee storyline is filler and nuts all around. Makes for some great campy comedy and Jerry. But all in all, it was weird. Seems like the only reason she's here is to be a temp chief so they don't have to introduce another main character just yet and to facilitate Ross's departure with the Peds position in the Pacific Northwest. Is everything hysterical? Yes, it is. But yeah, we're on filler patrol this episode for sure. And calling Dale a tool would be an insult to tool worlds wa- tools worldwide. He is instead the wet spot on the floor that you step in while wearing socks that you hope is just water. What a vivid picture. I'm so here for that imagery. Uh, my my toes just like lifted off the floor like ugh. <laughs> but I, I do have to uh, respectfully disagree with our, our friend Michelle here because at number one... I don't think, well, really just the filler aspect of it. I definitely don't think of it as filler. Um, There's so much in this episode that matters, that truly does matter, even if you take out all the Amanda Lee stuff, and even if if that's not your cup of tea. There's so much in this episode that matters that I just, I can't in good conscience call it filler. And, but she does bring up a good, an excellent point, though, that our man Jerry was the only one who had her clocked from Jump Street. Jerry yep. knows what's up. Listen to Jerry. Yep. The only times those words will be spoken. Um, <laughs> Audrey T goes on to say, who else heard my favorite mistake by Cheryl Crow in the first few minutes of the episode? I didn't realize this was her first appearance of Joy Abbott. As soon as she fainted, I realized who she was and thought, oop, there goes Doug soon. I have to say as the viewer, I'm going to miss seeing Amanda's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs character unravel each week. I don't know why, but for some reason I wanted to punch Mr. Gambrell in the face. His nonchalant, everything's okay attitude got on my nerves. I know he was trying to be strong for his wife, but dude, you just hit a guy with your car at top speed. Even when he realized he killed him, his attitude still didn't change. And Toddler Reese with Benton at the end, giving me all the feels. Are you thinking of, Daniel, okay, I'm still on this this whole thing. Okay. Was it, Are you thinking of when Timmy comes back? Oh, the, no, 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 no. This guy is, but Timmy with frosted tips sounds like a fun adventure. Let's do that. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
you're still hung up on the desk clerk thing. Okay. Lizzie, keep Googling. Andrea B says, I just need to say thank you, Benton, for making the doctor who is deaf less of an outsider. As a person with a disability, having people do things that you cannot catch is frustrating. But thanks, Benton, for making this a point. Education and bringing up things is what breaks down barriers. And poor Mark, I know he will find another love, but at least thankful things didn't go farther. At Baser at Baker Basic on Twitter says, This episode, my lord Amanda Lee. I just, I just, what? Like, how? Locking Mark in the CT room with the poor woman for like an hour. I feel bad for the woman who was just so scared to leave her house and then got crushed by a chimney, I think, when they finally started to get her into a CT. Corday rides by on a gurney doing CPR. The elevator's broken. It's not fun. Also, I love Tony, the temporary desk clerk in this episode. ER, if you're sick, we'll fix you quick. Um, Reese signing dad was adorable and Benton being a proud dad. Also, Mark wanting to work for NASA, lol. Just such a, this just, this is such a strange episode with the whole Amanda Lee plot, but it's done so well. Definitely one of the highlights of the season for me. And last but certainly not least, we have at the full-time dad on Twitter says, this episode reminds me of, of past regret and future fear in the sense that they want you to focus on principal story, Dr. Lee's breakdown, while they slip in an incredibly important story through the back door. In Of Past Regret, it was the methadone baby that would nearly lead to Doug's undoing. In Amanda Lee, we're introduced to Ricky Abbott. And, to be honest, we probably pay, pay him and his mother joy just as little mind as we did the methadone baby. I remember Danielle's rant like yesterday. <laughs> but, of course, we all know where it leads. Back to this episode. Or, I'm sorry. We all know where it leads. But back to this episode. Mayor Winningham played the she-seems-normal-but-she's-a-nutcase role perfectly, and the final scene with Peter and Reese always makes my heart melt. And we're entering the Carter-Lucy infatuation phase that I can't stand. Woof. I gave up on the search. Oh, if someone knows what the fuck Daniel's talking about, please, <laughs> please let us know. That should just be the other title of this show. If someone knows what the fuck Daniel's talking about. <laughs> oh, ain't that the truth. Uh, hmm. T-shirt number seven. There we go. There you go. All right, well, that's fucking wrap up our episode for today <laughs> on that lovely note. Thank you all very much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast, where for only a dollar a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. A bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in our lives in the moment. Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. Then flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are at Facebook at facebook.com slash the Tone Podcast. And we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. What? Daniel figured I found it out. <laughs> Finish your thing first. Also be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards. And Daniel, what the fuck were you talking about? Uh, <laughs> he pops up in episode six of season six. Andrew is the guy's name. And he was a mad TV guy. And he did uh, impressions and shit. 
that guy. <laughs> hey, don't leave me hanging. Thank you. There it is. See? Oh, I told you. But where can folks find you, Daniel? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trout. God damn it, I'm glad I found that. <laughs> Lauren, welcome. Where can folks find you at? Um, actually, this week I'm going to be shilling for a fundraiser I'm doing. Um, Purple Pumpkins for Epilepsy Awareness, you guys. If anybody is potentially interested in contributing or spreading awareness for epilepsy, you can paint some pumpkins purple and leave them on your porch. That's really fun to say five times fast. If you would like to to donate to my sister and I's fundraiser for the Epilepsy Foundation of America. You can reach out to me at lobob92345 on Twitter, or if you post in the STT group, I'll find you. That sounds horrifying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if, if you're interested in learning more, please get in touch with me. Um, I know a few of you have donated already, and thank you so much. It means the world to me and my sister and our mom. You have no idea. Like, it's, it's coming up on November, which is Epilepsy Awareness Month, so you know I'm not going to shut up about it. But just that's that's my personal shill, is if you want to help me fundraise, it would be greatly appreciated. It goes to um, different support networks for people with epilepsy and or research funding. A worthy cause. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at RandomGamer, that's J-A-M-3-R, as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2, pretty much through into next year at the break I'm going uh, new episodes that are out, new episodes of that are out every Friday and you can find those videos and much much more at youtube.com/thepopularcourt thanks again everyone very much for listening please join us again next time and have a great week